Let's turn in our Bibles to John 5. John 5, and then we'll also, if you have your handout, you could just look on your handout and we'll read that top of that handout. If not, we'll, you can look at page 939 for chapter 33, section 1. Let's read God's Word first. This is God's holy and infallible Word. John 5, starting at verse 25. This is the words of Jesus, wherein he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so, He gave to the Son also to have life in himself, and he gave him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth, those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life and those who committed evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. And in section one of the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 33, it says here, God hath appointed a day wherein he will judge the world in righteousness by Jesus Christ, to whom all power and judgment is given of the Father, in which day not only the apostate angels shall be judged, but likewise all persons that have lived upon earth shall appear before the tribunal of Christ to give an account of their thoughts, words, and deeds, and to receive according to what they have done in the body, whether good or evil. Let's pray together. We thank you for your holy word. We thank you that your word is truth. We thank you that your word tells us not only about how we ought to live, but about the judgment to come. And we ask that you would help us to receive this word, that you would build us up and help us to grow not only in a greater assurance of our salvation, but also we pray that you would help us to grow um, even for those uh, who need to repent and believe, we ask that you would even use this text to help us to flee the wrath to come and embrace Jesus Christ as he's offered in the Holy Gospel. We ask these things in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Now, there might be some people who talk about vain speculation. Now, what I, what I mean by vain speculation you're, you want to answer a question that has no answer in the Holy Bible, and you're trying to come with, up with some, some answer. And I, I, I compare it to what uh, the scholastics used to call uh, this, this weird thing about how many angels can dance upon the head of a pen. You know, really, you know, the, the, that's kind of speculation, isn't it? And I don't think the Word of God wants us to look into those things because... It's really foolishness. But it's not vain speculation to look and see about the judgment to come because really the Bible tells us what the judgment will be like. 
the scriptures give enough passages here to give us, well, I mentioned one chapter, but really it's not one chapter, it's two, the prior chapter as well, chapter 32 and 33, about this coming judgment and the resurrection. And um, last week we talked a little bit about both resurrection and the rapture. Section 1 here begins by telling us who the, the judge of the living and the dead will be. It says, God hath appointed a day wherein he will judge the world in righteousness by Jesus Christ, to whom all power and judgment is given of the Father. Um, it would be speculation to say, well, why does the Father give the Son this privilege to execute judgment? Well, we, we learn in today's text in John 5, he said, it's be, he said because he is the Son of Man. Um, um, well, it's, it's God's prerogative that he exalts and glorifies his Son to, to serve as judge. And we find that not only in, in John 5, 26-7, we find it in another place in Scripture. But let's look at John 5, uh, 26 and 27 again. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. And he gave him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Clearly, God gave the Father the privilege of being the judge. Um, The good news for us is that our judge is also our advocate. Our judge is the one who will plead our case as well if we are in Christ with a saving faith. Matthew 25, 31 and 33 there in your outline says, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. Clearly, again, it's the son who's the one sitting on the throne doing the judgment. Uh, Section 1 goes on to give more detail about this judgment of Christ. It says, In which day not only the apostate angels shall be judged, but likewise all persons that have lived upon earth shall appear before the tribunal of Christ. Now, for you young people, we don't use the word tribunal much. It's kind of an older word, which means a court of justice, but it also could mean a judgment seat. Um, Someone's judgment seat could be called a tribunal. So I don't know which one they have in mind here. You know, is it is it the court of justice or is it judgment seat? But in fact, it's not really a judgment seat. It's virtually mentioned here as a judgment throne. Christ is going to sit upon his throne in judging, his glorious throne, in fact, according to Matthew 25. But regarding the judgment of wicked or apostate angels, which we would call demons, uh, Paul says that um, God's elect will be involved. Now, I know the confession says that it's Christ who's judging the elect angels, but in 1 Corinthians 6.3, he says, Do you not know that we will judge angels. Uh, We'll have, I guess, a a place as a witness of some sort, maybe. Maybe we can testify of the things that these uh, demons have done or tempted us to do or of that sort. Uh, We don't, again, that's speculation. But I mean, 
clearly the Bible says the elect have a role in judging the apostate angels or demons. And uh, Scripture doesn't really tell us much details about what will happen. But going back to the what we talked about with the rapture in 1 Thessalonians 4, we're not going to turn there, but if you remember, in 1 Thessalonians 4, it says that we will meet the Lord in the sky, but not before those who have died and are buried. They will be raised first. So here's the order. The dead in Christ are raised first. Those who are still upon the earth upon Christ's return will, be, will ascend and meet the Lord in the skies. And then those who are elect will somehow, after that, be involved in judging angels along with Christ our Lord. Um, the apostate angels, again, will be judged, I believe, after the events in 1 Thessalonians 4, after those things come to pass. Section 1 says that all persons who have lived upon earth shall appear before the tribunal of Christ to give an account of their thoughts, words, and deeds, and to receive according to what they have done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, again, when it says here, all persons will, be, will have to give an account of their thoughts, words, and deeds, um, some might say, well, I thought that we were judged whether or not we just had a profession of faith, whether we confess Jesus as Lord. Or we judge just basically only upon whether we've confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior. And according to Scripture, and according um, to what we'll find in, as we look more into this, it's, it's not just based upon the words of our lips. Because, you know, saving faith has knowledge, assent, and trust. So to, to say, oh, I know that Jesus Christ is, is Lord, is, is the Son of God, well, that's the same thing the demons say. James 2.19, you believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. Mark 1 there's even the case of a demon-possessed man in the synagogue in Capernaum who even acknowledged Jesus as the Christ. So not only did he say God is one, but he, he said Jesus is the Christ, saying, Have you come to destroy us? You know who... I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. So even a demon can testify that Christ is the Holy One, the Messiah. But again, here we have knowledge. But he's not a sin, he doesn't have a scent in saying, well, I believe this Jesus is my Savior. He's not assenting to that. He doesn't have a scent or holding to that. And he surely doesn't have trust that Jesus Christ is his Savior because he, he, he knows he's heading to the pit of hell. You know. But if we are Christians and we have a profession of faith, it's knowledge of what Christ has done, agreeing that that work of Christ is ours. We believe in it for ourselves, but we're trusting and resting upon Christ as he's offered in the gospel. That's what we would say is a biblical understanding of uh, salvation. Now again, getting back to where it says here uh, in, this, in this outline, it talks about there being judged according to our deeds. 
whether done in the body, whether good or evil. I think one of the best passages to look at, a couple of passages to look at, is Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And I have that there in the outline where it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So we're saved by faith alone, through Christ alone, but what it says in the following verse For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Yes, we're saved by faith alone. But the faith that saves is not alone. He created us not just to be saved, but for good works. A good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. But one of the ultimate places, which we just read a little bit earlier, but um, we want to turn. I think we might look back at John 5, because we'll have a little time to look back at John 5, but let's look at Matthew 25, which speaks of Jesus Christ. We already read some of that already, but Matthew 25, starting in verse 34, talks about the Son of Man coming in His glory, and He's going to judge, sitting on His glorious throne. In verse 34 and following, he says this, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even to the least of them, you did it to me. Now here is probably one of the, the best passages in Scripture to encourage us to find a body of believers. Because how can you fulfill these verses in Matthew 25 unless there is a body of Christ for you to show the love to? Now when you show love, to the body of Christ, you show love to Jesus. And Jesus says that to the extent that you did it to the least of these brothers of mine, even to the least of them, you did it to me. We show our love for Christ by loving the brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, let's keep reading. Um, He says to those on the left, verse 41 and following, Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. 
when they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So the, those who say, well, I have, a personal, I have a personal faith, just me and Jesus. Well, I don't know. I, I think Jesus wants a personal faith, yes. But he wants a personal faith exercised toward others. Toward others in the body of Christ. And our, uh, this is one of these things that he's going to look for. It says he's, we're going to be judged according to the deeds that have, what we've done in the body. And this is one of the things he's looking for. An evidence of a Christian is one who seeks to love the body of Christ in this fashion. Uh, get back to uh, Matthew, I mean, sorry, uh, John 5. John 5 um, also talks a little bit more about the judgment. Verse 28, John 5, 28. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and he will come forth and will come forth those who did good deeds to a resurrection of life and those who committed evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Again, the deeds show forth how, if one is a true vine, a true fruit of Christ, or a fruit of the devil. Now, how do we know whether we are of Christ or of the devil? Well, do you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you put your faith in Him? Or are you trusting Him as your only Savior? Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one shall come unto the Father except through me. Now, if you profess Jesus as Lord and Savior, are you living for him? Are you seeking to follow him? Because Jesus doesn't just want a profession. He wants your life. And it's our reasonable service as mentioned in, in Romans 12, 1, to have our lives as a living sacrifice before the Lord our God, our reasonable service. Christ is coming again as judge. I want you to be ready. Let's pray together. We ask, O oh Father, that you would help us to long for that day to not dread that day, but to long for that day when we will see our glorious Savior, Jesus Christ, appearing. That we would see Him and that we would not fear, but that we would rejoice in His coming. That we would not tremble in woe and in trepidation by being condemned, but Lord, that we would have a sincere faith evidenced by true fruit of a of that wonderful, sincere faith. We thank you for the work of Christ. We thank you for the blood of Christ who covers all of our sins. 
And help us, we pray, to bear forth much fruit as those who are true, uh, truly united to Christ by faith. Help us in this, for we ask these things in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. For a hymn talking about Jesus coming as judge, so we'll turn together to 390, Christ is coming. Let's stand together and sing 390. 